1: Welcome back to The Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Strayway in Union New Grove, Wisconsin, along with their friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. We got a hold of David, and we'll pick him up here on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. David, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Dave. Good to be on. Uh, I missed your call. <laughs>
1: that's all right. It happens. It happens. You've been pretty good for us, uh, so we, there's no, there's no complaints on our side. So uh, we're getting into the really the f- get-serious part of the season here uh, after Japan, and at, we have uh, Nico Rosberg, who you, I, Lee Diffie, and your partner Steve Matchett all thought would be kind of second place at the moment, but he's got a 33-point lead here.
2: Yes, it's all very strange. Um, at the beginning of the year, I thought Hamilton was a sure in for the championship. You remember last year. Rosberg won the four races in a row after Hamilton had clinched the championship last year's US Grand Prix. And um, so everybody was talking about, you know, how down Hamilton would be over the winter and that Rosberg would be on a high. And then when they got to Melbourne, gosh, Hamilton was quickest in every session. Free practice, one, two, and three, and qualifying. Easy go on the pole. Then made a terrible start and ended up second in the race. And basically, um, his whole season has been like that. He keeps getting on the pole, but he can't make a good start. And, um, it seems to be last preying on his mind. I think it's also given, uh, Rosberg a serious psychological boost because Mm -hmm. he, he seems to know he's, he's on top. And, um, With just four races to go and 33 points behind, it's going to be very difficult for Hamilton to score his fourth world championship.
1: Yeah, these these starts, it's such a head-scratcher because, you you know, you see them, they've been sweeping the front row race after race, and it just seems like, you know, it's like three out of the last four races where he's just getting these dreadful starts, and you, you think, you know, with a team, that has the resources like Mercedes, how this is is happening week in, week out. I mean, is it a frustration with the team or Lewis with – or both at this point?
2: Well, I think it's got to be a Lewis problem. Um, Yeah, Rosberg makes good starts. He doesn't make – now the Ferrari makes dynamite starts. Mm -hmm. Um, So their clutch system must be better. I don't think both drivers are that much better at starts. But um, the Ferraris do make really good starts. And Rosberg makes pretty good starts. And Hamlin doesn't just make bad starts. I mean, he makes disaster starts. Gets swamped and gets dropped to like 6th, 7th, 8th, you know, on the opening lap. Well, these cars are too evenly matched. And um, to get back from those positions is hopeless. And so at the end of like lap 5 or something, he'll he'll have gone from 8th back to like 5th. And meanwhile, now Rosberg's got like a 20-second lead on him. So he's, uh, yeah, I, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I can't believe the clutch is that bad.
1: Right. And then we have uh, Rosberg who's won two of the last three races at uh, Singapore and, ja- and Japan last week. And then Malaysia, we had uh, Daniel Ricciardo. And, you know, going into the season, we were thinking that Ferrari's going to be that number Two team that was going to make, make, make that next big jump to challenge Mercedes. It hasn't worked out that way.
2: No, it hasn't. And um, I was reading some comments by uh, Luca Baldazzari, who used to be on the team, and he's one of the guys that got fired. And he said that um, they're trying to rule by fear. And I've been suspecting that myself the last couple of races I've commented that um, I think that everybody, you know, Marchione and Vettel and Raikkonen are all under so much pressure that they, a couple of things, you know, the drivers um, are a bit desperate and maybe making mistakes you wouldn't normally expect people like Vettel to make. And um, and I think the team, rather than sort of uh, trying things, you know, let's try this, let's try that, let's try the other, they're kind of playing it conservative um, because they don't want to screw it up. And uh, the result is that I don't think they made the progress they should have done and Red Bull have certainly capitalized on that and are in a pretty strong position to finish second in the championship, which is just not what anybody thought at all. And um, with the upcoming races, um, I don't see anywhere where Ferrari um, stands out and and could win.
1: Is is that coming from uh, the the team principal, Riva Bernie?
2: No, I think it's coming from over his head. I think it's coming from Mark who is the, uh, boss of Fiat Chrysler Automotive which of course is uh, Ferrari's part of and um, he uh, he said at the beginning of the year, we're going to win the championship and we're going to win in Melbourne and um, I think everybody on the team thought, oh god, I don't know about that you know? <laughs> uh, and so uh, I think he and I think he applies just too much pressure and we've got to win and Ferrari without winning is not Ferrari and all these sort of gruesome comments which I think makes everybody on the team so scared that they, you know, no one dared do anything. And in Formula One, you've got to take some risks um, and try things. And if they don't work, well, they don't work. But in their case, if, if it doesn't work, they're all worried they might get fired. And I think one of the worst things he did this year was to get rid of James Allison, their chief engineer, mm-hmm. who is an established, very good aerodynamicist, and it's something they need more of. And um, they got rid of him. Um, and I think that was a big mistake. Um, So they're going to have to find somebody of his caliber to replace him, and there's not that many people out there.
1: Yes, speaking of taking chances, uh, I think there's one driver that took a chance, and I think it's for positioning himself not for next year, but probably 2018, and that's uh, Nico Hulkenberg, who went from uh, Force India, who's kind of been the other surprise team of the year, uh, going to Renault but I think you'll agree uh Renault definitely has more uh more oomph behind them than uh, Force India would long term.
2: Yeah, Force India to me has been a bit of a a bit of a, an amazing team this year how they've done so well and how they're still hanging in there when you consider the dire straits of the two pr- principals Sahara Force India the guy that owns the Sahara mm-hmm. company is already in jail. And Vijay uh, Mario, who is the, what is the uh, Force India guy who owns, um, you know, a big airline and also Kingfisher beer. <clears throat> I mean, he's sort of, he's not lucky, he's out of a jail. Um, and he owes, you know, billions to the government and um, to other creditors in India. And you just wonder where the money comes from to keep Force India going at the level it's going at uh Otmar Snafnau, who's the boss, um, who's an American, doesn't seem to be worried at all. And he made comments the other day that he didn't think it was a very good move by Nico. But I think, you know, when you get someone like Renault, who now own the team, I mean, they've had a terrible year this year, admittedly. But I, I don't see that lasting. You know, a, a factory like Renault just cannot afford to be that bad. And um, I think in the next couple of years... They will pick up enormously. And of course Nico, as you say, is hoping for that in twenty seventeen, but particularly in twenty eighteen. And, you know, I think they're gonna pay him eighteen million bucks and um of course if you sign for eighteen million from Renault, you know you're gonna get it. Right. If you sign for eighteen million from Force India, I actually think there's a very severe doubt whether you'll actually get it.
1: And, 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 um, and you'll probably get a Clio with that too. <laughs> <laughs> you might get two. <laughs> Now what 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 happens with Magnuson and um uh, Palmer at
2: that team. Boy, I don't know. Um Julian Palmer, uh you know, I hate to say it, he's a fellow Brit, but um I haven't he hasn't shown me a lot although he's been a lot quicker than Magnuson this year, a lot closer to Magnuson this year than I thought he would be because I have had very high thoughts on on Magnuson. So maybe he's not as good as we thought either. Um and, of course, Jolian, you know, a guy that does uh, GP2 for like four years before he wins the championship, when you compare him to both Rosberg, uh, Hamilton, and halfenberg who came in, did the championship, won the championship, and moved on. That's what you're supposed to do with GP2. You're not supposed to be a lifelong GP2 driver. Um, but I think it looks like they're both going to be out. This Esteban Ocon may well get the drive, who's currently driving with Verlein in the... Um, manor and also was done incredibly only driven for him what, four times, didn't come in till two thirds of the way through the year. And uh, has been as quick or quicker than Verlein most of the time. And um so he may go there. There's this Pierre Gasly, who's everybody got very highly talky about. Um so I'm not quite sure. I I would like to think that Magnuson will stay and it would be um it would be Hulkenberg uh, and Magnuson but I mean I just don't know.
1: Yeah it's hard to say uh, coming up, uh, October twenty third, of course, is one of your favorite weekends of the year, and that's where you guys get to make your trek down to Austin for the United States Grand Prix. And it's a pretty special thing, especially if with uh, NBC Sports and that, you guys uh, increase your programming and that. And what what are some of the things we can look for this
2: year? Well, we're going to be on a lot. We're going to do free practice one on uh, Friday morning, ten o'clock Eastern, and then uh, we move on and do free practice two in the afternoon. Then on Saturday we have and we have pre-race shows for free practice 1 a short half hour job and then um free practice 3 we'll do on Saturday and then of course we'll do qualifying with a pre-race and a post-race show and then on Sunday we have an hour pre-race show and a um, and a post ratio after the grand prix and of course the big thing is the grand prix will on be on the big network it'll be on NBC um and all the others are on NBCSN so it's going to be a big a uh, big week end the network in sports and um we're all looking forward to it the weather forecast looks significantly better than last year and um i mean i felt sorry for us last year but i felt particularly sorry for the promoters i mean they spent a huge amount of money on that racetrack and facility and it, and it is a magnificent facility and to be rained out like it was last year was just a tragedy because it just kept so many people away but um Hopefully, this year, the weather certainly looks like it's going to be better, and um, looking for a good weekend, and um, obviously, I hope that Lewis Hamilton makes a better start, and <laughs> he can finally win a couple of races, but uh, and he does well here, you know, he does very, very well at Austin, um, and hopefully he can do it again this year, but it's going to be a big, big uphill battle for him, and Ferrari should, should be better at Austin than Red Bull, but that Red Bull just keeps on coming out to the most unlikely places.
1: Uh, Question for you, because I have not been down there for a Formula One race. Um, You know, when F1 was in Indianapolis, we'd we'd get a lot of uh, Ferrari fans and a lot of South American fans up at Indianapolis. It was almost like a soccer match in the grandstands with these individuals, groupings of of fans, you know, cheering every time their car would come out onto pit road. Uh, do do we see that in in Austin a lot? Do we have a lot of uh, fans coming up from South America and Mexico?
2: Oh, absolutely! Um, now it was hard to tell last year because the weather was so absolutely abysmal that there was virtually nobody there on Friday and Saturday. The stands were all full on Sunday, but these were all people who had bought their tickets months before, you know. Um, but there's a lot of Mexicans there. There's a lot of Brits. A lot of Europeans coming over too. Um, there are direct flights now from London to Austin. Um, there are flights from, I think, from Rome to Austin. So, yeah, they get a lot of international people there. And um, the year before last, they were up against the NASCAR race in Dallas on the same day. Unfortunately, the Dallas race had a better TV rating than we did, but there were actually more people at Austin than there were at Dallas to watch the NASCAR guys. So, um it's a very popular race, and uh, I, this year I think they're looking for a record crowd. And you know that very first weekend they had something like three hundred and something thousand people over the weekend, and I think they're hoping to do the same thing again. And um, it is a good race, and a lot of people come from far and wide because the Mexicans don't feel quite the necessity to go there now because they have their own race the week That's after. That's true. Right. But <clears throat> last year, well, it's hard to tell last year because the weather, but there was a lot of Mexicans there.
1: And where's your favorite place to eat down there?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I don't have one down there yet. Um, <laughs> we we get scattered around, and we uh, we stay in a hotel about halfway between the city and the track. And um, I, you know, I don't have a list of restaurants down there yet, but there seems to be an awful lot of good ones when you walk down the main street in in, in the city of Austin so It is quite
1: the metropolitan uh, city, that's for sure. It is. It's and a great place. Are we going to look for uh, Mercedes one two?
2: Next one, I would think so. Um, just a case of which order they're going to be in, isn't it? Really, um, but I don't see anybody beating them there, although Red Bull. You know, could spring a surprise. It'll okay. be hard for them that.
1: Very good. You've been listening to David uh, Hobbs, a Formula One analyst from NBC Sports on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And don't forget to watch next week the United the United States Grand Prix on NBC on the big channel on the big network. And uh, David, thanks for joining us.
2: All right, Steve. Thank you very much, too.
1: See you soon. All right. That was David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. It's at greatmidwestbank.com. They're ready when you are. And we'll be back in just a moment after a quick break here. And uh, you've been listening to The Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. This is final inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Oh. Oh. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lake Strayway in Union, Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association, on the web at com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Eddie Lepine from RacingNation.com. Welcome to the show again, Eddie.
0: Hey, thanks, Steve. Uh, what happened to the Alice Cooper song? You couldn't find it?
1: Ah, uh, that's okay. We 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 want to mix things up here. Ah, uh, Okay. Plus, I'm getting tired of that son, to be honest.
0: Wow. Well, okay. He's got plenty more.
1: Yes, he does.
0: <laughs> so um, the big
1: news, the big news is uh, in uh, in in the world of motorsports, of course, is uh, Audi is leaving endurance racing. Of course, Audi's been the dominant manufacturer in endurance racing, and I guess it kind of makes sense, right? What What else can you prove, right?
0: Well, yeah, thirteen Lamar wins out of seventeen isn't a bad record, um, and uh, I think this this was this was going to happen a few years. This has just been a transition period since Porsche came back to uh, sports car racing and LMP1. Um, I think they were it was kind of the changing of the guard. That's basically the theme. Um, it's kind of hard to go back to the board and you know, ask for $600 million to race against each other with Volkswagen, right. and going, going through all their issues with the diesel. And, you know, it, you knew this was coming. They were prepared to race next year, and this was not a surprise by no means.
1: Well, if, if you think of it, it, it kind of does make sense. I mean, because they came in in two thousand i think it was 2000 right and and you know they transitioned from the gasoline power to to the diesel and then you know they hit you have a a hybrid component right and in for a while and and so you know, they they've done all these transitions been dominating the entire way and i i you know like i said it, it i guess it's time for other challenges you know it, the world of endurance racing has always been a fickle business. Manufacturers come and go, and and, and Audi is no different.
0: Right, but, you know, this is – and it's because of the series and because of the technology and the evolution in it, it, it's becoming so expensive. I mean, these cars that used to have one or two engineers, now they have 20 engineers just working with the hybrid system and – and it's just the the cost factor um I think I could run the rest of my life racing <laughs> um just under hospitality
1: oh, definitely they, I think they, we all could
0: right we I mean, we, we could
1: run this whole station very comfortably with that with that budget i think
0: well yes and and that's what it's turned into it's It's basically sports car racing, and I think the w e c world endurance championship. I think they wanted to be, you know, they wanted very close parallels with Formula One, and and I think that's why you've seen these races in Bahrain, and they're going where the mm-hmm. where Formula One goes, and you know, it's not the greatest TV market. Um, you know, basically their crown jewel is Le Mans, right, and uh, that's what the manufacturer. Wants to put in, in the factory that cup that you know that's the most prestigious race in sports car racing, and it's the most watched and it's and it gets the most spectators. So, you know everything else is just a, a testing ground for them to race at Le Mans.
1: Well, and and I think if if you're, if you're an engineer at audio, you're 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 kind of excited. About what's supposedly uh, happening down the road, and that's with them developing an engine to run in Formula One in 2018, which it would make sense if it would be with maybe with the Toro Russell team initially and then eventually with the Red Bull team. Doesn't that make
0: sense? Well, it could. I mean, Mr. Hobbs would know more about that, um, but uh, I think. I- I think Formula One's getting to the point where, you know, I mean, the money that they're spending, it's not giving them the return they want. And they have to go back to the board members at the end of the year and say, we need X amount of dollars. And and this is all going, you know, like with Audi racing against Porsche and the Volkswagen group. It just doesn't. Really, it doesn't make sense for them to compete against each other.
1: But you know, those people on the the board of Audi, they would love nothing more than to beat Mercedes at their own game, and that oh, I think is that that is what would be driving them. Because you oh, know, you you're, always you're, have you're, that competition, whether it's Chevy and Ford, Mercedes and Audi, and all this, where they you know they you want bragging rights, and you know, you're, Formula, you're, people people don't realize how big. Formula One is in the rest of the world, and, and even in the you know the big corporate roundtables around the world too. Is is as you can say, oh, you know, we beat Mercedes. That's huge.
0: Well, you're totally right, Steve. You're you know, I mean, it is. It's it's the bragging rights. They want to beat them, and you know, this is something that could happen. But if you look at the whole big picture of what's happened with Audi and you know, with Porsche and sports car racing, you know, you're looking at the Volkswagen Group controlling, and they have over 20 projects with electric cars. I know you don't want to hear that, Steve. I know you're not a fan of Formula E, but now that, you know, Volkswagen Group and Audi are in Formula E as a factory team, I really think that down the road, that's what you're going to see. And I know a lot of people don't want to see that. But I think, uh, you know, over in Europe, that's what they're looking at.
1: Right. uh, Mark Weber is retiring. He, of course, uh, retired from Red Bull and then moved into a very, you know, Sparky couldn't understand it. We were telling him, don't worry about him. He'll be fine. Driving for Porsche is a pretty good deal. And so how many years did he end up driving for Porsche? Three, four years?
0: yeah well yeah. he was signed up originally when they started in fourteen
1: okay so i mean he and, he won the,
0: he won the championship last year he didn't win Lamar, but uh you know he feels like you know this phase of his career is over, and he's i think he's been hanging out with Tom christensen and alan mcnish and and as those guys are ambassadors to Audi i think that's what Mark Weber is going to slide into as an ambassador Mm -hmm. for Porsche.
1: That's a pretty nice gig. i tell you what we'll do. We'll take a quick break, and we'll get into predictions uh, when we come back. But also, I want to talk uh, about an article I read in Automobile Magazine uh, the other day here. It's a pretty interesting subject, so stay tuned. We'll kind of keep that as a surprise. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Hey, welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association, and they can be found on the web at com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Eddie Lapine from racingnation.com. We're uh, talking about Audi, leaving endurance racing, a little bit of uh, um, Mark Weber. Uh, we're going to switch yeah, gears quick, here.
0: Quick, quick, Steve. Uh, okay. Uh, Audi did get the pole um In Fuji, Japan, and that race will be run later today.
1: And somewhere, somebody just raised her fist in the air and said, "Yes." <laughs> I-,
0: I thought we would at least, you know, if we're going to talk about Audi, we might. Roll.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, that was uncalled for by me. Anyway, uh, we're, we're, I wanted to bring up uh, a subject. That's been, uh, he's been in the media here and there over the last year. And it's an interesting story. It always kind of intrigued me. And that is the story of Randy Lanier. Uh, for those who may not be aware, Randy Lanier was the 1986 Indianapolis, uh, 500 rookie of the year and, uh, drove for the RCR racing team at the time. And, uh, he also drove an IMSA racing prior to that and was a pretty decent driver. It was making his way through the ranks and, uh, His career ended at the 1986 Michigan 500 when he broke his leg, and you may think, uh, oh, he must have been a really badly broken leg. Well, which it was, but that's not the reason why his career was cut short. Uh, He was soon thereafter indicted on marijuana smuggling charges and uh, was on the lam and eventually caught up with him out in the Caribbean somewhere, and he ended up uh, getting life without parole for drug smuggling. And this was a kind of a controversial time in the late 80s when uh, we had a lot of drugs and that coming into in the United States, and there was, was political pressure to increase uh, sentencing and whatnot. And uh, one of the things President Obama's been doing is been uh, releasing a lot of these uh, prisoners who have been convicted of life sentencing for nonviolent uh, drug smuggling. And uh, it it's a uh, pretty interesting subject. What, what's your remembrances on uh, Randy Lanier?
0: Well, I mean, he was in that, that era. I mean, he was a talented driver, and he was in that era of John Paul Jr. I mean, I shouldn't say John Paul Jr. John Paul Sr., the Whittington brothers, you know, guys that, you know, made their money uh, transporting drugs. And... uh you know, it eventually caught up to him. I mean, he did serve 27 years. It, on a note, if, I guess if he would have uh, done it now, I think if he was, it would be medical marijuana. <laughs> it'd be legal. Right. And, uh, you know, he wouldn't even be serving any time. But, yeah, I think, you know, some of these guys like that, I I think that, you know, they, he did definitely serve his time.
1: Yeah, he did uh it was interesting i thought you know i i heard a blue thunder racing back in the day and in the in the uh in the story they actually brought up that uh blue thunder racing was a name that was later recognized as a kind of in your face reference to the hapless blue thunder boats that were specifically built uh, for the federal government to chase down smugglers but the boats didn't work well and uh, soon uh, not many sug- smugglers were using speedboats, anyways but they were actually using barges to bring in all the pot into the country at that time. It's a really interesting story. We're kind of coming up against uh, time here, but uh, it's one of these things. I, I, we could probably do a whole show on, on this. And there's just a documentary that, that is dying to be made about IMSA racing in the 1980s. Of course, we had
0: well, Steve. Uh, Steve you know, another one, uh, Gary Balu, was released a right few years ago, and I think. He raced a lot up in the, uh, Wisconsin when I was covering racing in the '80s, and uh, he was released, I think, five or six years ago. And he's actually back in jail again. He was caught smuggling in South Florida again. Hmm.
1: Well, I tell so, you what, you know, we could definitely talk with, uh, you know, David about that, David Hobbs, and also, of course, our friend Jack Webster too. Was involved in IMSA back in those days. There are a lot of interesting stories. And if you want to see another inter- interesting documentary that was made on that time, is a, it's called Cocaine Cowboys. I think you can find it on Netflix. It's one of my favorite documentaries. It's just an incredible time in American history of what was happening uh, in the U.S. and how much money and drugs was being pumped into this country. Real quick, we're running up against time here, Eddie. Give me a winner of the NASCAR race down at Kansas this
0: weekend wow we got to go with matt kenson come on
1: matt Kenseth. i kind of like that pick too i'm going to go with uh matt kenseth and uh hope, you know he's on the pole but you know dennis michelson was say, saying it might be a situation where one of the Joe gibbs cars sends out a rabbit and that might be uh one of the guys uh who, who very well could do that is matt Kenseth. so it'll be interesting to see um uh, anyway anything else eddie what's new at RacingNation.com?
0: Well, Just last week, we posted the story about Dindo Capello for the Sebring, another famous Audi driver. I guess we got to keep the Audi theme going here.
1: All right, very good. Uh, always, uh, always a pleasure chatting with you, Eddie. And uh, we'll we'll chat next week.
0: Thanks a lot, Steve. Have a
1: nice weekend. All right, you've been listening to The Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association, on the web at MILWCAR.com. We'll talk to you next week.